1: just go to
0: cars.com It's magical.
1: On today's Patriot Nation podcast, it is a special episode today. Uh, it's just me, just me in the captain's seat today. Um, but I am joined by a very special guest. His name is Michael Hurley. And he is here because Deflate Gate is back in the news after ESPN wrote an article about it. Uh, It is back in the news, and so I figured we had to talk Deflate Gate. so who better to do that with than Michael Hurley, who could be the world's leading authority on Gate. So, it's a great interview with him. I also talk a little bit at the end, not too much, but a little bit at the end as well um, about another subject, Eli Manning, and the potential Hall of Fame uh, career that he has had, allegedly. So, uh, you know, anyways... So you can stick around for that. You cannot, but you absolutely do not want to miss the conversation with Michael Hurley. It's a great one. So buckle up and cue the music.
0: Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. It. Wilson, quick throw, and it's gone.
1: All right, we are uh, very happy to bring on to the show the world's foremost expert on Deflategate. Uh, that would be Michael Hurley from CBS Boston, Patriots reporter from CBS Boston. Mike, thanks for coming on, man.
0: Thank you, I appreciate that. It's uh, probably not a very useful title to have, but every now and then <laughs> uh, it proves useful.
1: It sure does, it sure does. And uh, now is obviously one of these times, you know, the whole core thing going on and and uh and really you know espn releasing a piece that was shocking i could not believe when i read that piece from espn of all places you know about how the the nfl botched it. of course never mentioned the fact that you know espn was was uh absolutely complicit in that um but you know but still to come from espn and, and really rip down the nfl the way they did it was really kind of unbelievable
0: yeah uh I would add it wasn't just complicit it was so they were sort of active participants in it, given how I think people you know underestimate you know people outside of the underestimate how big the story was the eleven of twelve more than two pounds uh under inflated yeah. that that Molinted reported because uh that is that 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 turned it into a story that couldn't be explained away by you know science or natural effects so that is why it 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 was thrust from sort of like the like this this small time story that was sort of like reading the jokes and things like that. And then turned into, you know, it was on the CBS, ABC, NBC national news programs at 6:30 every night, uh, this cheating scandal. So uh, it was kind of surprising. I, I don't like to lump uh, individuals in with organizations. So like this story was written by Kevin Seifert, who obviously is not responsible for everything ESPN's ever done, but uh, it stuck out to me that ESPN published it considering as I put in my story, you know, they, they used to edit Mike Reese for, you know, using his insight as a 20 year reporter of the Patriots, they edited out his commentary from posts. That's how contentious things got with this whole thing. So yeah, I was definitely surprised a little bit to see that last weekend.
1: Yeah. Which was nice. So that was, it was good to see. And of course it's, it's kind of been brought back into the light. And uh, it's funny. I was, for Pat's pulpit was, was thinking about writing, uh, kind of a, a guide as to, uh, as to why deflate gate was a sham. Uh, and you know, and I, you know, I've been toying around with it for a few days since the ESPN thing came, I never really wrote much of anything. I just kind of had a few bullet points and then yours came out this morning and I was like, wait a second that he said basically exactly what yeah. I wanted to say. And so I was like, I gotta have Mike on the show so we, so we can talk yeah. about it. But um,
0: it's funny let's go I through got, it. during the well during the Bengals thing, the video thing, I almost wrote yes. that that exact story because it was sort of just getting rough. It's like, oh well they had the depleted balls and then they had the spy gate, so this is the third thing, and I just I kinda wanted to do it then, so it's been simmering a little. Right. There's never a right yeah. time to bring back the plate gate, but this felt right.
1: Yeah. No, I agree, and and you're totally right about the about the Bengals thing. I mean, anyone that thinks that, that was them trying to do something to gain an advantage is just stupid. I mean, it's just, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And so that's like, so then you're like, okay. And then people are like, well, they have a history of cheating. And I'm like, well, yeah, but like you said, it's like, well, do they though? I mean, yeah. yeah, Spygate was stupid, but like, okay, fine. But then the gate never happened and people are like, oh yeah, yeah, I did. And I'm like, oh God, dude, now we get to go through yeah. this whole stupid thing again. So, so yes, you're right. So let's, let's kind of walk through Uh, through your article here. So you have, you know, three main points and I'm going to add on to one of your points, because I think there's one thing that nobody really talks about, which I think is interesting. Um, but nevertheless, uh, so the first one is that the NFL destroyed the PSI results. So you, you know, if, if for people that don't remember the NFL said, okay, you know, you're you saying that, you know, the the ideal gas loss I'm going to do with it is completely off base. So we're going to record all the PSI levels from all the footballs from all the games next year and then release all the data. And then not only did they not release it, they destroyed all. the data. It's just it, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it was it was clearly set up, you know, the referee has to record them before the game and at halftime and then send the results to the league office in his referee report. It was obviously compiled, and then once it came back that science is actually real, the NFL was kind of like, oh, yeah, those wow, those weren't – we weren't doing research or anything on those. That was just to make sure no one was losing the football. It was a deterrent. So that was a complete lie, and scientists, believe it or not, were proven right. Uh, I, I put in the story, too, the, the scientists who filed the Amici brief uh, to support Brady and the NFLPA made a graph of all the games based on, you know, the, the temperature of kickoff time, all the games that were played with football outside of the allowable range of PSI. And it's just thousands and thousands of football games. Uh, and, and I think that the 2015 season was in line with that, but we can't know for sure. Cause they just right. threw those results in the shredder.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. I think is that you just look at it and you just say the not, it's not the ineptitude because it really isn't. It's, it's a cover-up, is really what it is. It's, you know, they did it. They looked at it. They said, no, that, that just doesn't. Okay. That completely disproves everything that we said about the Patriots. And so instead of admitting that we were wrong, we're just going to throw it all that data and pretend like it never happened.
0: And you know what Uh, I regret? I, 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 I've left out of my story. What I meant to put it in was the Seahawks Vikings playoff game outdoors in Minnesota that following year it was like negative seven. And I remember Sal Palantonio reporting before the game that the NFL planned on replacing the footballs at halftime, which is another just a complete admission that weather affects the PSI of footballs. Granted, nobody right. cared about it in the history of the league, but that game, because of all, you know, every, they were ongoing litigation, and everything they had to ensure that the PSI remain intact. So they were saying that the the PSI is the will, will go down in this game and we will fix it, right. uh, which just completely, you know, proved everything they were doing to be stupid but here we are yeah
1: it's it's ridiculous and I think the other part of it too is that you know when you when you start talking about what the psi of the footballs was and everything else and and the fact that they never had a system for recording them so the fact is is that the referee could have walked in that day Walt Anderson the referee could have walked in that day squeezed the footballs and said yep okay they feel good and never have measured them with a gauge and they would have. No one would have ever known whether he had or not, because at the end of the day, you don't know. Because there had never been a precedent set before. It had never been like, make sure you check the PSI of the footballs, because that's a number one priority for everyone. And you know, it's just like it's kind of like feeling it and see. You know, and Aaron Rodgers talked about it about overinflating the footballs and trying to sneak it past the referees. If that's oh, we'll overinflate them and see, well, how could you get it past them if they're checking with the with the gauge every time, that obviously means that some of them are just not checking with the gauges. So, were they checked with the gauge or were they not? And that's, you know, when you talk about a science experiment, I mean, to not have a control and then look at the science, it would be like me saying to you, I weigh 220 pounds, I lost 15 pounds last week. And you say, Well, how much did you weigh last week? Well, I uh, 235, obviously, but there's no measure. Yeah. I, I never stepped on a scale last week. You, I, can't, I can't prove that. It's just, it's ridiculous.
0: As I put it, i put it before. Uh, I wasn't a great science student in high school. Uh, I found it to be rather challenging. Uh, biology chemistry wasn't really my thing, but, uh, I could still pass a test and the, the testing procedures and recording that they did would have failed high school chemistry. So, uh, 100%. that, that, that's what the whole system was based on. That's what millions of dollars were spent on was a bunch of really buffoons. I mean, Tori Vincent's, you know, testimony during Brady's appeal hearing, where he had never heard of the ideal gas law. He knows they didn't keep track of the timing. He knows he didn't keep track of when the Colts balls are measured. He knows he didn't keep track of which ones were wet, which ones were dry, and he just said all these things. It's like this would fail, you know, high school science classes, and this billion-dollar organization was relying on this as the basis for everything. It, it was a joke. Uh, I don't know how many percentage of Americans actually dug into it beyond just reading what the end line was so uh uh, the people that did pay attention sort of just i mean you couldn't ignore it but that didn't stop the case from becoming what it became
1: yep exactly so all right second point is is the text message from just now this is really an interesting one and this is one that i hadn't really heard about before but he he texted his girlfriend and here's the quote it says ugh Tom was right. I just mentioned, I just measured some of the balls. They supposed to be 13 pounds. They were like 16 felt like bricks. And what you said there is perfect that, you know, in, in your commentary, he said they were supposed to be 13, not, they were supposed to be 11 and a half, or not. They were supposed right. to be 12. They were supposed to be 13. Why would he say to his girlfriend, they were supposed to be 13. If he knows they're actually going to be less than 13, it just that doesn't make any right. sense.
0: And that's a text message sent in October of that yes. year. Uh, it was a Jets Thursday night game. They barely won. That was the game they won uh, against Geno Smith. There was a block right. field goal at the end. Yes. Uh, I think they won by two. Uh, it was not a great game for the offense. And I can imagine Brady being on the sideline screaming at, you know, whatever equipment manager or assistant being like, what is wrong with these footballs? I can't throw them. I can't, I can't feel them. And the next day they test them and they're, they're jacked up and, uh, that That is a big one, because when he texted his girlfriend, he was not envisioning a you know million-dollar investigation, reading all of his text right. messages five months later. It was just, they're supposed to be 13. It's the only mention of PSI from from Jastrzemski or McNally or Brady at any point during the entire thing, and it was saying they're supposed to be 13, which is right in the middle of the allowable limit. I don't know how Jeff Pash let that publish in the Wells Report. And I don't know why it wasn't a bigger deal, because you had the, the, the man charged with being the schemer uh, saying they were supposed to be 13 in a private conversation months before anything. So I, I, know, I, I don't know what the deflator text, uh, you can let your imagination run wild either way with that. But the only concrete statement you have in those texts is they're supposed to be 13
1: which is just, it's crazy. And that's, and, and again, it goes back to the point to the original point that I made, which is that they're not measuring them with the gauge because if they were measuring them with the gauge, you would never allow them to get to 16 because you would inflate them and be like, Oh crap, I put way too much on that. I got it. Now I got to deflate it. So it's back inside the range. You would, the referees would never allow that to happen. So he felt it said, yeah, that's a little light and then inflated it and then never checked it. And it's just like, if they it's just it drives me nuts and so the deflator text is one well, that I I, that I, I want add on, go ahead.
0: I want to add on to that point because bill levy was the referee that night uh the Jets game when the balls were jacked up to 16 he was interviewed by Ted Wells he's on the list of people interviewed you don't see one shred of anything from that interview in the entirety of the million page Wells report uh, so either it wasn't interesting enough or he said something that showed exactly what you're saying where there was no gauge used it was just sort of build up to what felt right. And then the game was played. And, I, and if Levy said that uh, you can understand why the NFL would edit that out of the final report. Uh, I'd love to know what Bill Levy told him because we'll never yeah. know. He retired and was put into like sort of an advisory role. And that's that. Yeah,
1: no, it's crazy. And so, and you mentioned the deflator text and I think, you know, I have, I have one thing that I've, that has always bugged me about it. And so it, it's not necessarily the deflator text in general, but Walt Coleman, Walt, is it Coleman or Anderson? I always think one of them did the tuck rule. I do that too. Yeah, (laughs) Walt Coleman was tuck rule, right? Okay. So Walt Anderson said he lost the footballs for the first time in his 19-year career. Never lost the footballs ever before in his career, and it was when you know from the
0: league to be on the lookout.
1: Correct, exactly, which is insane. But either way, he had never lost the footballs before in his entire NFL career. Well, my question is. In order for the deflator text to have any relevance whatsoever, it would mean that the Patriots would have cheated and done this method before. If that were the case, it would mean that they assume presumably would have used the same method because why would you all of a sudden change what you're doing? They wouldn't do a different method. You have the same method. If that were the case, then wouldn't everyone have lost the balls? Wouldn't everyone have looked at it and said, you know, it's kind of interesting It's funny you say that. I never lose the footballs either, except when I'm at Gillette Stadium. That's really an interesting situation. And yet, I never heard one other referee ever come out and say they lost track of the footballs at Gillette Stadium. I never heard Walt Anderson say, I never lost track of the the footballs except for the times I was at Gillette Stadium. And so nobody ever talked about it, ever. And so in that situation, you say, well, okay, you want to say that there's this whole thing going on. But all the evidence points to the fact that there wasn't something going on. And so this deflator text that happened months before this happened clearly doesn't res- relate to that because it had never happened before.
0: I want to. That's a great point, And I want to in- inject a boost into it by saying that the Wells report uh, said, you know, based on the other officials interviewed, that Anderson was uncharacteristically swearing. He was very upset when he couldn't find the balls. He was kind of losing it a little bit. Um, as we learned during the whole process, a team prepares 12 balls and 12 backup balls. If it was such a big deal, he would have put the bag of 12 backup balls into use. Instead, once he found that the bag of balls on the field, he said, oh, okay, there they are. Roll right. them out. So yep. a- after getting a warning, which Dean Blandino lied about, knowing about ahead of time, we know that emails were passed along from, from Grigson on to Kensal, on to Riveron to Blandino, everyone knew uh they didn't keep track of the footballs completely lost their minds when they went missing and then once they found them like oh okay there they are we're good now instead of using the bag of 12 backup balls that they had right in front of them the whole time so that whole part never really made sense but again no one no one really cared about it
1: yeah that's uh, it's crazy and so um it really is nuts and so that again that to me is more proof that it had never happened before, and they're trying to spin this. The only thing that makes sense that's the only smoking gun they had was those text messages. You take those text messages out, and none of it makes sense. And so, those yeah, text messages I mean, were the well, only like, thing.
0: Messages like, like, uh, when Jastransky's like, Tom, Tom knows you're stressed about getting it done. I mean, yeah, everyone sort of took that to mean sneaking into the bathroom and, and blowing air out of him, taking air out of him with a needle. It also could have meant, you know, it must be stressful for you, for you to have to be a low level game day employee telling an NFL referee how to do his job. Like right. there's there's equally plausible explanations that never really get explored. I'm not telling you I know which one is 100 percent accurate, but it, it does seem like uh imagination's always veered toward one way instead of the other.
1: Right. So and then the last point, your last point was that Roger lied which sh- I'm sure everyone's shocked about that. I don't even remember uh,
0: what I wrote because he lied so much.
1: And so <laughs> so basically, uh, Goodell was saying that there was no communication between Brady and Jastrzemski that Brady never testified about, uh, about um, having any contact with Jastrzemski. And then when the transcripts were released, it was clear that Brady did testify that he spoke to Jastrzemski about the accusations. And he spoke at length about those conversations with Jastrzemski. And so Goodell basically trying of, that's to only
0: sort of. So he, Goodell said that Brady said he did talk to Jastrzemski. Uh There was a phone call, and then there were meetings in Gillette. Uh, Goodell said that Brady testified that they did not talk about the accusations that were in the media; that they only talked about uh, preparing footballs for the Super Bowl. And Goodell said, "I did not find this credible." Uh, so it later came out when Richard Berman, the judge in New York, released the transcript of Brady's appeal hearing. Brady said yes we talked about that at length we also talked about preparing footballs for the super bowl because you got to do like 100 but we we did right. talk about that at length uh and and you can under, I mean that is what Goodell basically called Tom Brady a liar uh yep. and we would never have known if not for Judge Berman unsealing that transcript which if, if anyone out there has never read the transcript of Brady's appealing hearing where Goodell was the arbitrator despite no legal experience uh you absolutely have to read those because to me that was a turning point in my thought process I didn't I didn't Hit this whole saga, thinking like, "Oh, the Patriots are innocent." I assumed that the NFL wouldn't have launched such a massive campaign against the Patriots if they didn't have something, and I, that's kind of how I, I I leaned throughout the early parts of it. And then once I read that transcript and you saw how much of a liar Roger Goodell was, how unfit he was to rule for that, uh, it really opened a lot of eyes. So that that's uh what I consider must-read material on on the subject.
1: Yeah. Now it's and look, I, I mean. People have gone back and forth about it. And now I, you know, I bring it up and I'm like, it didn't happen. And people like, okay. And they just laugh me off. But, you know, realistically, when you look at it, I mean, look, people believe what they're going to believe. And we're never going to get to a point where the NFL is certainly never going to admit they did anything wrong because they fined the Patriots millions of dollars, suspended Brady for four games, tarnished his legacy, tarnished the Patriots' legacy, all this other stuff. So they're never going to admit that they actually did, that they actually screwed this up and like, not only screwed it up, but like actively did like tried to prove something that didn't exist. But I think as Patriots fans, it's still important for you to take a look at it and say, okay, like this didn't happen. And not only does it not happen, there's definitive proof. I think that it didn't happen. And, and, you know, you want to talk about more probable than not and all this other evidence, there's way more evidence that it didn't happen than it did happen. And I think that that's kind of the biggest takeaway for me is that, okay, maybe we can't prove one way or the other, but if you're even if you're going to court and you're just looking at it and saying 50-50 just give me a 50-50 odds there's no way anyone could look at the at the evidence objectively and say there's more than a 50% chance that it happened it just it doesn't make any sense to look at it that way
0: yeah and i'm obviously a big time idiot so i wasn't relying on my own brain throughout the process i was talking to you know MIT professors i was right. talking to legal experts you know law professors uh people that have you know people that understand understood all sides of it a lot better than I could have understood it. And they were all apoplectic about the whole thing becoming what it became because it almost defied, it defied belief that such obvious, you know, failures along the way did not prove to be hurdles for the NFL because of, you know, the NFL just insisting upon it. And by the end, all of the deflated football arguments were out the window. When once that landed in the the second circuit court of appeals, which I went to, which was a wild day for me. That's not really a day I expected to ever have on the, uh, on the resume. Um, once it went there, it was entirely arguing about the CBA. It was arguing about Goodell having basically unlimited power, unchecked power uh, to do whatever he felt, felt fit. There was no arguments about uh, PSIs or evidence or atmospheric conditions or anything like that. It was just, can Roger do whatever he wanted and two out of three judges? uh said yes he can and 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 the other thing we talk about uh you could go either way with it the 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 chief judge I believe it was Katzman it's been a while since I read the judge's name he wrote the dissent he he ruled for Brady in the NFLPA uh and that was just sort of thrown in the wayside because uh one of the disturbing you know sort of disappointing things I learned along the way was the judge's sort of rule with their own leadings and their political appointments and everything like that. So yeah. the two of the three judges to go with management over labor, uh, it was sort of expected by a lot of people. And uh, it doesn't necessarily prove one way or the other. It's just sort of who they are and the luck, of, the luck of the draw of the judges. So, I mean, if you want to do the math, you had you had Berman and Katzman rule for them, and yet the, the other two rule against them. So it's not right. as if it's as cut and dry and black and white as a lot of people want it to be made out to be.
1: Well, right. And you're right about that. And I think that that's one thing, you know, when you talk about the appeals case, it's not about whether the NFL was right or not in making the ruling. That's not what it was. It's not like these judges looked at the evidence and said, yep, that was legit. All they did was say Goodell has the power to do whatever he wants. We don't care what the case says. It makes no difference to us. It's just, okay. he has the power to do that. So you have to listen to what he says. So they you know, it's not like they're looking at the evidence. The one guy that did look at the evidence. Right was was the first appellate was Berman and he's the one. That oh yeah, it. So Berman, was a, Berman
0: was Berman was not a fan of the NFL or Roger Goodell.
1: Right, and so that's you know, so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting look at it, but I think you know it, it deserves mentioning again because it keep, continues to be brought up. I mean, the Globe, you know, shamefully, you know, tries to, tried to draw the whole quarter thing and tried to drag the Patriots back down with it, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, it just didn't oh, yeah. for anyone to look at that and say it happened. And not only did it happen, but it definitively happened and it was it was this horrible, egregious cheating scandal is just so not only is dumb, but it's also it just shows what they're trying to do, which is basically either number one, like the Globe was trying to do, get away from the story. That's the actual story. Or number two, just drive headlines, you know, like some other people would do. And and, you know, that's the frustrating part.
0: Yeah, and I know like it's it's part of the deal when you are the biggest team in the world or the football world at least when you are as famous as Brady and you have Belichick and crap and you have all these big players and big names involved you're gonna get more attention to other things but I always compare it to uh, Peyton Manning when his final year the HGH the the right. Charlie Sly accusations of the the Al Jazeera documentary and and he, he and you know he had the publicist Ari Fleischer the former White House uh pr flack or whatever uh basically said they said that yes hgh was mailed to manning's house but it was for his wife and that that was the explanation there was no denial that it was shipped there there was no denial that that you know it was mailed to his house it was just oh that was for his wife and that's the final answer and then all manning ever had to answer for that was a a handpicked one one-on-one interview with the espn reporter it aired on espn countdown they went to the round table after everyone's like well he denied it and he was adamant so that's that he said no it didn't happen so it didn't happen and then you have Brady standing in front of uh national media local media every media for an hour that day you know the day he had the winter hat on and answered every question he could uh I remember Stacey James saying like all right last question and Brady went for about a half hour after that he was just on his own he stood there he was getting grilled I remember Borges was grilling him I remember uh the, the there was the what do we tell our children what happened to our hero uh, all these, like, re- the most ridiculous press conference ever, and Brady just stood there and tried to answer it as honestly as he could, and then they cut to Mark Brunel, who started crying because he didn't believe him. So, uh, the right. standard for this situation was different than any other standard, uh, whether you talk about the Red Sox now or Manning then or any along the way, it was a uh, a bizarre a bizarre era in history uh that that and you know the story that we're talking about now from ESPN I wonder if anyone outside of New England even read it because I think their minds were made up long ago like before anything had even come out
1: no it's true it's true I mean it's almost like and I and I feel like you know that the Wells report was written um you know with the conclusion already done before it was written and so okay let's see how we can get to this conclusion before we do it and that's and that's what, you know, that's what it felt like from the national media where it's like, okay, as soon as the news came out, yep, Patriots cheated, so let's figure out how they cheated and why they cheated. And then, you know, and the other thing for me, one last thing before we leave it is that, you know, if it provides a competitive advantage, which it doesn't, but if it com- provides a competitive advantage, then that would mean that having a higher PSI on footballs would, would then be a competitive disadvantage. It would be like putting stick on your hands like Jerry Rice would be a competitive advantage because not having stick them on your hands would be a competitive disadvantage if everyone wearing them. Or if a wide receiver, all the wide receivers are now wearing gloves. If a wide receiver went out there without gloves, that's now a competitive disadvantage because you can't, you don't have as much grip on the ball. All that stuff makes sense. The PSI of the football has nothing to do with anything. It, it could pro- provides zero competitive advantage. And again, it would be, it's dispro it's proven because, then everyone would have their balls at the absolute lowest it could possibly be. Otherwise, it would be a competitive disadvantage for everyone. It just it, That's not the case.
0: Yeah, I mean, the whole I, – I mean, there were a lot of things that were insane during that. I mean, everyone was like, oh, well, Brady likes a, a soft ball because he has small hands. He doesn't have small hands. Uh, right. Then the, the, whole fumble, the whole fumble exploration, which is, oh, to me, the most embarrassing part of all because if you've ever – I'm not even trying to play like – oh, I'm a football player because I played high school football and never played. It. So it's not about that, but if you've ever held a football in any in a backyard two-hand touch game, you don't squeeze a football. It's not a Nerf ball. It's that has right. nothing to do with how fumbles happen in the NFL. They talk about quarterback fumble fumble stats. Try holding on to any football, whether it's Nerf or real, when you know Von Miller comes around the edge and tomahawks down on your elbow, like it's the ball right. coming out. So the, yeah. that whole thing, there is just so many offshoots of just idiocy that to sit there and try to sort of deal with it all. Uh, was insane and, and you know I think you just touched on it like the Wells report came out in the first two pages they said uh, more more probable than not and at least generally aware and that was every headline from coast to coast. We ran it too i 'm not saying we 're any different that's but for for ninety nine percent of media fans everyone, that was the story uh, after we published that, I actually read the thing and he kind of broke it down and you 're like, well, this is the worst report i 've ever seen in my life this is not this does not add up this is a complete mess, and that was on day one. So, uh, and right. even then I was, I was given them the benefit of the doubt on the science because again, I'm an idiot. Um, and then the science turned out to be complete bunk. So, uh, the, <laughs> the whole thing was really a matter of who wanted to look into it. And the NFL gambled, I guess, to think that people wouldn't want to, and they were right because anyone that looked into it, uh, found it had an easy, very easy time, uh, seeing all the holes in it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, listen, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's always good to... I mean, I you know, me and you we're one of the few where you know we're some of the few. I'm very passionate about the subject. I I will till the day I die insist that the Patriots never cheated. It never happened. Forget about like them cheating cover up. It just never even happened. And so that's you know, and I know you feel the same way. And it's uh you know it's 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 always it's always fun to fun to talk about it. You know.
0: Yeah, I do feel that way. I will say like it's not like nothing is 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 concrete necessarily because I uh, reading through those messages again, uh, listening to Jastrzemski be like, Oh, let me get you the needle, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they're talking about the balls being blown up by balloons. Like it is possible that they had this scheme, but what's, what's, what's being ignored was that it was initiated in response to an NFL referee improperly inflating the footballs, which as we know is a felony in the NFL. So either they're trying to counteract a felony or they're, doing it like that like that to me is the biggest thing where how can one referee pump them up to 16 and that's not a problem but if a team has them slightly lower by you know a half of a PSI which is negligible uh, it is the biggest defense in the world so I think the the scope of the whole thing got out of control and the NFL was full of crap when they actually pretended to care about PSI for the only time before or since Uh, but yeah all this empty knowledge in my brain I'm happy to spill some of it out uh, because it just sits there uh, collecting dust.
1: Agreed. All right, listen, before you leave, uh just plug yourself a little bit, tell people where they can uh see you, hear you, read you.
0: Uh, you know, Twitter's the easiest way. That'd be Michael F. Hurley. Most of the stuff's there. I I pop on to NBC Sports Boston from time to time. Little quick slants is over now, which look well, over four now until until free agency. Yeah. So uh I'll be quiet for a little bit, I think. But then, you know, I'll be back. I'll be back. Okay. And CBS nice. Boston well, obviously where you can read my nine thousand word stories about the plate gate. <laughs>
1: yes exactly so all right mike thanks so much we really appreciate it and uh have a good night all right
0: thank you you too
1: so great conversation with hurley uh as i said to him you know thanks to him for coming along and i'll tell you what man you know Deflate gate is a really interesting situation and we talked a lot about it and hopefully you're a little bit more informed if you weren't already informed uh, but I did want to talk just briefly about Eli Manning. There's uh, this whole discussion going on. Clearly, he has announced his retirement on Friday. If you maybe you listen to this in the morning and he hasn't yet, but he's going to be officially announcing his retirement on Friday. And, uh, you know, look, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer. And you can argue about it all you want. And you can say, oh, you know, he's got he his numbers in the regular season stink and he's a clear career 500 quarterback and blah, 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 blah. Great that you can say all that stuff. That's fine. Okay. Number one, two things. Okay, number one, Joe Namath. Joe Namath. That's all you need to know is Joe Namath. Joe Namath has has a losing record as a quarterback and has thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. So Eli, yeah, he struggled in the regular season. So did Joe Namath. Namath is in for one game. One game he's in there for. And Eli's got two. And, and the fact is that he's been the Super Bowl MVP of two games. He's won two Super Bowls. He's been the MVP of both of them. He deserves to be in. Period, end of discussion. And yes, part of it is because of the Manning last name and blah, 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 and everything else. And he played in New York and, you know, sob story, blah, blah, blah. I don't care. None of that stuff matters. Throw all that stuff out. It doesn't make a difference. The fact is he deserves to be in there. And I'm going to throw a stat at you. And a stat I've talked about with Brady. And it's kind of hard to quantify, but basically, here's how it goes. Okay? A lead-changing drive in the fourth quarter or overtime of the Super Bowl. Okay? In other words, a drive that either started with the game tied or with their team losing in the fourth quarter or overtime of the Super Bowl. This is just the Super Bowl. Tom Brady has 10 of those drives. 10. Now that's unbelievable when you think about the Amendola drive in Seattle doesn't count because that didn't tie the game or take the lead. You know, going into the Atlanta, the Atlanta Super Bowl, just the two, two James White touchdowns, one at the end of regulation and one at the at, in overtime, those are only two that count because – None of the other ones changed the lead. Okay, Brady has ten. Eli Manning is second on the list. Okay, Eli has three. Now, obviously, he has the he has the throw, the um, the helmet catch. Okay, he has the the throw to Manningham, which ended in the in the Ahmad Bradshaw touchdown. But he also scored another touchdown before Brady drove the Patriots down and, and threw a touchdown pass to Moss. Every other quarterback, every single other quarterback in the history of the NFL has either one or zero of those touch drives. Every other quarterback in NFL history. Tom Brady has 10, which obviously is the most. Eli Manning has three in two games. Okay? So, my thing is this. Talk about the defense and talk about how, you know, this happened and that happened and this happened, and, well, it doesn't matter because it wasn't him. The fact is, is that with his team losing in the fourth quarter three times, He drove his team down and took the lead. Three times that happened in two Super Bowl games, okay? And again, as I said, every other quarterback in the history of the NFL has either done it once or done it zero times. And, you know, Joe Montana had the drive, which of course was amazing. It was a phenomenal drive. But think about the pass that Eli Manning threw to Mario Manningham. I mean, that was a hell of a throw, too. And you think about where that, that drive started very, um, that drive started really deep as well. And so, you know, it's not as though, it's not as though he's done nothing in these games. Yes, I understand, okay? He's not, he's not the greatest quarterback of all time. I get it, okay? We all understand that. We all know that. But the fact is, is that that was an 88-yard drive to win that game. And it was a gorgeous throw to Mario Manningham on the, on the first play. And so you start looking around and saying, man, he really, he you know, yeah, okay. His regular season numbers stink. But his postseason numbers are great. And he's a quarterback, and he's got two Super Bowl MVPs. And so for that reason alone, he's in the Hall of Fame. And you can argue about it, and you can hate it, and you can say, you know, the Manning face and all this other stuff. You can say all that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because he's getting in, and I think... He deserves to be in. So, anyways, that's what I got for you. So, anyways, just me. I uh, wanted to thanks Mike. Thanks to Michael Hurley again for coming on. I appreciate it. We're going to be back. Uh, if not next week, we'll be back the week after. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be previewing some draft things. We're going to be going position by position probably. Talking about some of the Patriots' needs in free agency and in the draft as well. Um, and, you know, kind of looking at storylines as we go throughout the year. Okay? Um, you know, hopefully you've been listening to Mark uh, talking about the Senior Bowl. We have a lot of good stuff coming for you uh, on this on this feed. So we appreciate you tuning in, and thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you soon.